Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning? NFL free agency is set to get underway today, by the way. Well, I guess not officially. But the legal tampering period is set to start, you know, I hear in about 30, 45 minutes, they can officially, we'll we'll start getting updates as far as guys are, you know, they've agreed to a contract. Wednesday is when they can officially sign, but you'll start getting some news starting today. A lot of Alabama players, but not exactly NFL draft day, but it's pretty close, man. I, I, I don't have a particular NFL team, but I always enjoy watching to see where all the big ticket free agents go, including Alabama players. There's several that are going to be participating in free agency from Alabama. So just how are you doing on this Monday morning with that news and the news that Alabama is a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're either going to be playing Rutgers or Notre Dame. Dude, I, this is a great sports week. It, it's, it's awesome. It's just a great sports time because you've got football. Alabama's, pra- Alabama's not practicing this week, but we're in the middle of spring practice. and We're going to talk about that today on the show uh, as, we, as we keep our position reviews going. So we're in the middle of Alabama spring football practice, and now we got the NFL free agent frenzy ratcheting it up a notch today. I love all that stuff. I'm going to try to be tuned into NFL Network most of the day, best I can to keep up with that. I love it. Then with basketball, this is the best basketball week of the whole year. We're, we're approaching what I call the 64 to 16 weekend. Now, Thursday morning, 
we're all going to wake up and there's 64 college basketball teams that really matter. And when we go to bed Sunday, that number's down to 16. The 64 to 16 weekend is just the absolute best weekend in college basketball, one of the best weekends in sports. Then I'm really into Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball's back. A lot of Major League Baseball free agency stuff going on. My Braves are down in spring training. They play their first uh, spring training game Friday. So I'm loving the baseball stuff. Then throw in, here's the rare Monday when, uh, when the Players' Championship. I also love professional golf. And we got Justin Thomas playing well uh, in the Players' Championship. And, uh, and that final round is being played today on the golf channel because of all the weather delays over the weekend. So what a great sports week and a great sports day for uh, what is down here in South Alabama, a beautiful spring, a spring day down here. 100%. And, you know, growing up, it it was always football for me, always football. I enjoyed watching a little college basketball. I enjoyed watching a little NBA. I enjoyed watching the Braves play, even though I wouldn't ever claim to be a diehard fan of baseball. And, or the NBA, uh, I've become a much bigger college basketball fan over the years. But one thing about it that I can always remember, as much as my family is just a football family, the first day of the NCAA tournament every year, my dad would, you know, probably from the time I was in middle school all the way through, you know, my senior year, my dad would check me and my brother out on Thursday. We'd go grab lunch at you know the same restaurant and then we would come home and just watch the first round of the NCAA tournament it was a, a family tradition one of the kind of quirky things and it's like I said I wasn't never just a massive college basketball fan but for those especially those first two days having a bracket trying to see you know between our family compete and see who could get the most correct just uh, it's memories I'll never forget and that's why this time of year is always special is it's very nostalgic for me um oh. And just being able to, you know, watch Alabama the last couple of years, back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances, number six seed, but last year, number two seed. It was just very cool um, that not only is it getting excited for the tournament, but you've got a team that you cover, that you're invested in, who are going to be participating in the tournament. Just adds a whole new layer to it. So definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to free agency. Like I said, I'm, you said you were going to be keeping up with it. We've got a free agency tracker thing going on BCS Alabama. And we'll be updating that as guys sign new contracts or we'll at least update it and say that they've agreed to a contract, which they won't be able to sign for a couple of days, but we'll be providing updates throughout this entire week. So certainly go and, and check on that periodically. And I'm sure Jimmy will be covering stuff on the message boards as well. Also wanted to give a shout out Joseph Hastings from Clemson sports, the on three website, you know, he's going to be joining the team as the recruiting guy for BCS Alabama moving forward, senior recruiting reporter, very well respected in the industry, has been around for a little while. He's still a younger guy, kind of like me. Uh, and, of course, Jimmy over here, sitting over here, what are you pushing, 32, 33 max? Uh, well, it's it's very complicated because chronologically I'm 52, but I'm sort of the emotional maturity or, or uh, uh, just mentally I'm still in college. Well, I'll tell you what, there are 31, 32-year-olds that – I could never sit down and have a beer with and just enjoy some time. And then there are 51, 52 year olds like you who I could talk football all day, hang out just like one of the boys. Age is a number, I guess. That's all it is. I guess you're proof of that. But talk ballet with you all day. Say what? Throw in that beer and I'll talk ballet with you all day. Hey, that's where it starts, man. A lot of great conversation. 
the, the best time for you to have a conversation with yourself is in the shower. The best time for you to have a conversation with somebody else is with over a beer. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Joseph's a, a great, well-respected person in the industry. We're very excited to have him already hitting the ground running. Got a lot of content, even just today planned, written out. Uh, the guy stays on it, man. Bama fans are going to love him. You're going to get all the up-to-date recruiting information. We're very excited, but Today, Jimmy and I, we're going to be talking about the safeties and the tight ends for Alabama. We're supposed to get to that on Friday. We're making some adjustments to the team and to the responsibilities and just had a lot of social media stuff that I had to get done. Wasn't able to get a podcast recorded. Alabama started spring practice on Friday, and we can react a little bit to that, and I'm sure we will throughout this episode, including updates on certain guys who are going to be out, and we definitely want to cover that, but we're also going to be talking about the safeties and the tight ends because of the last two positions and also included with the tight ends or excuse me, included with the the safeties are going to be the stars because they kind of go hand in hand. So Jimmy, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Ja'Cory Brooks, Darian Dalcourt and Keanu Coat. All three of those guys, according to Nick Saban, are not going to be participating in the spring. How concerned or not concerned are you about those guys missing time? I'm going to say slightly concerned. I never want to act like it's not a big deal. Let's remember this. Last spring, who missed the spring? Mechie, Malachi, Emil Echior. They all missed the spring. And what happened? Malachi, it, it, was, it was a disjointed year for him, an uneven year. I don't think Malachi had the year we all expected or he expected. Uh, Mechie, uh you know, I, I wasn't as good in September as he was in October and November. I can't help but think that that maybe there were some lingering things from the spring. It took him a while to get over. And, of course, Echior, Echior's always had bumps and bruises, really. And uh, I, I'm not sure Echior had a year that, that is going to go in his all-time scrapbook either. So I, I say all that to say those that just blow off that Brooks and Coat and Dalcourt aren't out there, I wouldn't blow that off because look, 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 uh, I mean, the guys that missed the spring last year sort of had disjointed falls, you know? So uh, I don't think it's, it's an, it's enough. It's not a nothing burger. It, it is, it is something. Uh, now missing coat doesn't really kill Alabama because here's a guy that was just going to be depth anyway. I mean, we obviously have starters at outside linebacker in Dallas Turner and Will Anderson coat was just a depth guy. It really hurts him more than the team because he's missing reps, he's missing development time, uh, rehabbing whatever injury he's got. Uh, so it doesn't really, it hurts Coat, but it doesn't really hurt the team. Now, Brooks and, and Dalcourt out sort of hurts the team uh, in this sense that uh, Brooks is a contender to be a starter at wide receiver, Dalcourt a contender to start at center. Uh, now there, the comp there's lesser competition and other guys will get those first team reps, which is good for them but they're not competing for the spot as much. So uh, a, a good bonus for Seth McLaughlin, he'll get all the first team reps now and he needs it. It'll be helpful to him. Uh, and he may have won the spot anyway. Uh, and, and at wide receiver, a guy like a Jai Hall now, I think will get more opportunities with Brooks out. Good for him. Uh, just might set Brooks back a little uh, when he gets back with the, with the ball club in the fall. So it is something. Is it devastating? Of course not. Is it, are we making too big a deal of it? Eh, maybe, but, but it's not a nothing burger. The, the, this, is, uh, this is news and, and not particularly great news. It's expected, though, because it's football. 
Right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that you kind of laid that out perfectly. I think that it hurts the center competition because there's less of a competition. And I think that when you are competing for a spot, and it's not like Seth McLaughlin's going to get handed the starting job now, he's just got a significant advantage because he's going to be able to get probably, if I had to guess, a majority of the first team reps throughout spring. So he's going to get every opportunity to prove that he is the guy. And we were already, at least I was, already projecting him to win that competition. But I do think that Darian Dowcourt was certainly a capable competitor in it. And I wouldn't have been shocked if he ended up earning the starting job back. I mean, there was a reason that he was ahead of McLaughlin on the depth chart last year. And really, it was kind of like Mechie. You know, we started seeing him play better when he got healthy. You know, we, we saw DeMarco Hellams. He started playing a lot better as he got healthy. We, I don't think we ever quite saw Malachi Moore get back just there. But, you know, you watch all that happen, and then fans still judge Darian Dalcourt based off of performances when he wasn't healthy. You know, he tried to play through some things, and he didn't play well. And there's a reason that they ended up finally pulling him off the field. And it was the same way at the cornerback positions. Both Jalen Armour Davis and Josh Job weren't playing at 100% for a majority of the season. And they were being held to the standard of a healthy player when they weren't healthy. And even before Darian Dalcourt got banged up, I don't think he was playing phenomenal. The entire offensive line was shaky, but I just don't think he ever got the chance to really grow into that role. So I was not going to count him out of this competition, but, and I do think the competition would have made both players better, but at the same time, you are correct. Seth McLaughlin getting all the first team reps. That's a good thing. It'll make him more prepared if he does end up winning the starting job, which I would expect. And we'll give him, you know, more of an opportunity to kind of gel with the guys that are going to be playing around him. Nick Saban did bring up JV and Cohen. Is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play guard? You know, they're going to try him out at some different places. Same thing with JC Latham. We do know officially that Ken Randolph is going to be given every opportunity to earn a starting job along the offensive line. If he doesn't, then he'll probably get used in the same role that he's been used in, which is what we've talked about being kind of that big bodied extra blocker at tight end. You know, so those are some of the more newsy things. And, and I, I also agree with you, Corey Brooks, by the way that's going to open the door for some of these other receivers to get more reps. And that's great. Really hate it for him. Thought that he really showed some progress down the stretch. Didn't have a great national championship performance, but I don't think anybody did, but you know, just giving him the opportunity to continue to grow being a five-star prospect. We know how hard he works. Yeah. I think that was going to present him a great opportunity to really not only solidify himself as a starter, but maybe even push not saying that, you know, I think we all assume Jermaine Burton's going to be the number one, but I really felt like Ja'Cory Brooks, could, if he continued to progress, he could have pushed for that top you know, role. And this really sets him back in that regard. I still think that he ends up earning a starting job. I mean, who knows? It might not be for Utah State in week one. You know, He still might be working his way back and earning that spot back. It won't be handed to him. But I, I love his ability to put his head down and go to work. Fully expect him to do that with what's ever going on because I don't think we have any details on a lot of these injuries. A lot of them are probably just lingering stuff that they got cleaned up or whatever after the season they're still recovering from it but that was all very noteworthy things that Nick Saban said in his press conference but today like I said we're going to be covering the tight ends we're going to be covering the safeties and we'll start with the tight ends you know you lose Jaleel Billingsley he's off to Texas it's kind of your move tight end can be flexed out wide more of just a big body receiver also was a kick returner part-time kick returner that we saw sometimes just didn't have the season that a lot of Alabama fans were hoping that he'd have. He was a very big disappointment. I don't think anybody would deny that. But do you have Cameron Latou coming back? Set some some records for tight ends. Most touchdown catches for a tight end in a single season for Alabama. He's back. You got some other guys. Jimmy, just what are your thoughts on this tight end group as a whole? As a whole, I really like it. 
Um, you know, the ideal situation, Clint, is when you have, you know, a badass tight end that's projected in the first round, you know, like a Kyle Pitts or, or some, some, you know, and, and, and by the way, it's tough to get a first round tight end. There, there won't be any tight ends most likely taken in this draft, uh, you know, in, in April. So uh, ideally, you just have a badass and, and Alabama doesn't have that. But if you don't have a, a total badass, then, then the next thing to have is guys that you can mix and match based on the situation and, and, and that's where I think Alabama excels I, I think the first team tied in is almost certainly going to be Cameron Latu uh, who had a really good year last year I know it wasn't perfect and he probably had some drops he would like back uh, but Latu is solid because he does both things well obviously there's a position where you have to catch the ball you know and, and make plays as a pass catcher <coughs> Sorry about that. But you also have to be a blocker. And Latu is a good blocker. He's not dominant, but he's good. Uh, as a pass catcher, he's not dominant, but he's good. He led the entire SEC in touchdowns from the tight end position, which is really impressive when you consider he split time at tight end with others at Alabama. So Latu is solid. Uh, it, it, he's not a liability in any way. He's an asset. Uh, he's just really good. The better news is that Alabama can bring guys off the bench that can help him. When Alabama needs to, to get the edge blocked, they can bring in a Robbie Oost. Oost can play a second tight end position as a blocker, or he can replace Latu as a blocker. And, and, and Oost is liable to be an exceptional blocker. Uh, he was good last year as a freshman. He's going to be even better this year. Uh, when Alabama needs to make a play or they want to get a, get a move tight end out there to help create mismatches, then you can bring in Amari Nablack off the bench. Now, Amari's not out there this spring. He, he's more of a guy we're talking about for the fall. But he looks like the type guy, Clint, that, that right away he'll be able to help you as a pass receiver. So he can be the second tight end or a replacement for Latu when you want to spread the field and maybe move the tight end around. So between those three guys, I think Alabama can be good at tight end. No, it's not a Kyle Pitts situation. Not saying it's the best tight end situation in the SEC. I don't know who is. I just know that Alabama's is good because Latu is solid. Oost can be a good blocker off the bench. And the Black can be a good receiver off the bench. And then you're developing someone like Danny Lewis and Elijah Brown for the future. Maybe they could use a year uh, in the weight room to get bigger and stronger and better at the point of attack, or maybe they show up and prove that they're ready to help you right now. But either way, we can be patient with them while Latu, Oost, and the Black hold things down. A uh, quick thing about Kendall Randolph, uh, he's going to compete for a starting position on the offensive line. He may or may not win that, but if he doesn't, history shows in the fall, he'll spend most of his time at tight end as a premium blocker uh, on the goal line and in short yardage. And he's been in that role for two or three years now uh, and is only going to be better as a senior. So so Alabama's got that covered too. So I would say Alabama at tight end is in really good shape. Awesome, no. Bad, no. But really good. Yeah. What's fascinating to me, and it's something that I noticed, I didn't notice it on their initial roster release. I was focused on a lot of other guys. Don't really know how I missed it in hindsight, even though it's not that significant. But just watching the highlight tape or one of the highlight videos from practice on Friday that Alabama shared, 
I noticed that I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure you probably did. But if you haven't, go back and look. Cameron Latou looked like he had dropped weight. He looked much more thin. Then I understand he's, you know, just in a, a jersey and shorts and a helmet. He's not in shoulder pads and he doesn't have his ankles spatted up. That's automatically makes your legs look bigger, you know, and all that stuff. I, I understand all that. But it, I was just like, wow, he, you know, he, he looks like he's lost some weight. So I went and checked the roster. Last year he was 6'5, 250. This year he's 6'5, 244. And to me, and that could just be some fluctuation. That could be maybe, I, I have no idea. Or maybe that's by design. You know, they have a big blocking tight end. That's, you know, we expect to be a pretty good blocker in Robbie Utes. Doesn't mean that he's going to get significant action. If they've already got that guy in Latou who has been used, you know, he's been flexed out. He can do a lot of different things. He could be kind of that move H tight end a little bit. He can, you know, split out wide, play big slot. He can even play some perimeter receiver. But, you know, a lot of times he was used as an inline blocking tight end because you had the complimentary piece in, in Jaleel Billingsley. And we talk, I've been a huge proponent of Amari in the black, you know, ever since, you know, he signed, I've been high on him. Think he can end up doing some great things for Alabama, maybe even as early as 2022, but with him not enrolling early and with them having, you know, if Oots ends up being the number two tight end, he can handle a lot of that inline blocking responsibilities. And you have Kendall Randolph, maybe if he doesn't win a starting job, you have him as another blocking option. I think Elijah Brown, he also can get flexed. He can also, you know, play some H back, you know, a little bit, but I more so see him in the future getting up to that 250 range, being more of an inline blocking tight end. The coaching staff loves his kind of nasty physical nature as a blocker, uh, really takes pride in his blocking. So that's, I, I view him very similarly to how Cameron Latou was used in 2021 for as far as his future is concerned. I'm not saying he's going to be Latou necessarily, but, you know, more of a balanced guy who can pretty much do it all not just going to be strictly a receiving tight end, not necessarily going to be strictly a blocking tight end either, even like a Danny Lewis, who I also think can do some, you know, various things for you. But if they already have that blocking role kind of covered and they're really looking for that complimentary guy, a guy who can fill Jaleel Billingsley's role, not saying that Latou is going to be that, but him dropping some weight and him having Nick Saban, I understand he had some key drops last year and Alabama fans are probably going to get upset with his comment, but all throughout the spring, all throughout the summer, all throughout fall camp. He had a great rapport going with Bryce Young. He had gone several scrimmages and catching touchdown passes. I don't remember what the streak was, but it was several in a row. Nick Saban kept talking about how good his hands were. You know, that was one of the key things. And that's why I was so, so shocked at some of his costly drops that he had last season. But anyways, the point being, we might see him a little bit in more of a flexed role because we know he can handle it. You saw what he did in the national championship game. Uh, he can create yardage after the catch. We saw what he did in the A-Day game last year, creating yardage after the catch. So he's, he's a big play tight end if you need him to be. And I think that if maybe they're not, you don't want to bank on a Mari and a Black coming in and automatically being that guy. You haven't, you haven't even got a chance to see him in spring practice. Like he's not there. He's a summer arrival. So Maybe they're looking for that guy where they can still go with a one-two punch at tight end because Nick Saban has also talked about how much of an, a mismatch nightmare having a tight end who can catch the football can be on opposing defenses because you you struggle to, if you try to match the size you struggle you struggle to match the athleticism if you try to match the athleticism you struggle to to match the size so a guy like Latou being six five big body guy great red zone presence has dropped a little bit of weight to me looks pretty good. 
and he has a ton of experience. And so I just wonder what, if his role will maybe change a little bit. That's just my thoughts. We'll kind of have to see, but Jimmy, do you have anything else on the tight ends before we move on to the safeties? No, no, I think we covered that really well. And uh, again, it's, it's a positive. I, I, I know uh, we are going to be a little dependent on, on the black. I think if we want to be dangerous at tight end, uh, I mean, I think Latu can be pretty good as a receiver. And I think Oost and, and, and Elijah Brown, uh, you know, those, those guys, they can help us catching the ball. But if we're going to be dangerous, uh, the answer there is 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 in the black. But but you're correct in pointing out, the black projects to be great, and we think he's going to be great. Uh, but with freshmen, I just you never know until you know. Uh, so I'm excited about him. I think he'll be in fall camp. Uh, one of the big stories, like wow, how, how quickly can this guy help us? Agreed. Yeah, and that is the the big key. You don't want to bank on that because you're you're not guaranteed that. We've seen plenty of guys who we thought were going to be all stars, you know, even as true freshmen, and they end up not being that. And I think Alabama really wants to continue to have, you know, or be able to run twelve personnel and be able to run the football and, and do some of those things. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Cameron Latou's role changes a little bit, but I don't think he's lost any of that blocking ability. I think he's well respected in that area. And if you have some blocking guys like Oots and, you know, I mean, Brown, I don't think he's going to play a lot, but just saying that's kind of the role he can fit. But if you have Oots and you have Kendall Randolph and then, you know, you got a balance guy in Cameron Latou, and then you got the receiving, the dynamic receiving threat and Amari Black who you can kind of bring on slowly. Because I don't think with him being a summer arrival, I never thought from Utah State he was going to be a huge part of the offense. I just thought as he gets more comfortable, as he, you know, he's going to participate in fall camp, he's probably going to get better. And then as you get into the game stuff, you start maybe finding some different things that he does extremely well, start implementing him, you know, in the game plan, getting him more and more snaps. And then you set yourself up for maybe him contributing a lot more down the stretch, possibly if he's responding well to that. I just think Cameron Latou, if they're kind of dropping some weight, you know, adding a little bit more athleticism to his game, maybe they're kind of heading that off in case they don't get that kind of transition or production from a guy like Amari Black. Moving to the other side of the football, a lot of the guys who are covering tight ends are the safeties and the stars. Alabama has quite the experience coming back. Both of their starting safeties, their top two stars who also can play safety, all those guys are going to be returning. So, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the position as a whole? Whether that be, you know, the starters obviously are established, but then you also got some depth guys. Just safety, what are you thinking? Uh, just a great spot for Alabama for all sorts of reasons. You, you, you know, you want to judge a position, I think, by the quality of your starters and then and then the depth. Uh, and Alabama's got both. Uh, the quality of the starters is high. Jordan Battle. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to look and, and, and look at the safety situation across the country as to whether he's a first-team All-American type. I, I doubt it. I doubt that I will. I would push him for 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 that level of height but the fact that we can discuss it with a straight face tells you all you need to know that the kid's a damn good player that we could even have like is jordan battle maybe the best safety in the country i mean the fact that you can discuss it uh means you know we're good there battle's good he's also a leader he's a great traffic cop he's a smart guy a little bit of a saban bot uh it'll be a real interesting draft projection one year from now uh, one of the things I, I used to not believe, by the way, Clint, I used to sort of when Jordan was a young player, 
I would go, I'm not sure this kid can run. And then last year he made two or three highlight plays that were all about his speed. As a matter of fact, his speed saved our ass, frankly, frankly, a couple of times running down players. Uh, and, and now I'm like, maybe this kid is more athletic than I thought. Uh, but anyway, battle's great. Helms uh, played hurt. You know, he missed a lot of fall camp last year. He actually had, uh, I think, an ankle thing, not that tightrope surgery. And, and, and I was on, I didn't know that early on in the season. I think me and some of the fans were like, Helms sort of struggling a bit. But now that we know that in retrospect, you got to, and, and then saw how good Helms was down the stretch. I'm very optimistic that we're going to see the best DeMarco Helms that we've seen at Alabama. And now his senior year, he's got the experience. He's apparently healthy uh, and, and is solid returning starter. So two great returning starters. Uh, and then at the star position, and they also practice at safety when we're in regular. Brian Branch, who had, I wouldn't call it a breakout season, but Branch had a good season, sort of in my mind, sort of took that role from Malachi Moore as the season progressed. Uh, Brian, a, a physical guy, can play any spot in the secondary. He can be a corner. He can be a safety. He can play money. He can play star, smart kid, a good player. We probably haven't seen the best Brian Branch we've seen yet either. I think that's coming in the fall. Malachi's excellent depth, that star. Uh, he could also be the sixth, the defensive back. He could also play some at safety. He started at safety in the Miami game. A lot of people don't remember that. But due to Helms' surgery, that he had that tightrope surgery, Malachi replaced DeMarco Helms, started at safety against Miami, even had an interception in that game. So we got good depth. I'm excited long-term about a guy like Christian Story. I hear good things about Devonta Smith, who uh, practiced uh, in the fall at safety. Um, Kane Williams is another guy back there. I'm real, I, I think Christian Story is a likely starter in 2023. No reason to spend a lot of time on him today, but I'll just throw that out there that I'm excited about Christian Story as a starter in 2023 because we're going to lose Battle and Helms after the season. We could even lose Branch or Malachi, who are draft eligible after this upcoming season. So we'll have some safety will be a thing next spring. But for right now, it's in great hands. Yeah, I feel really good about Alabama secondary in general. And we talked about the cornerback spot already. You know, I think that technically, if Terry and Arnold has made his transition or he's more comfortable in his transition from cornerback to, or excuse me, from safety to cornerback, then I think that he could be a starter. You know, I think he would be good, certainly good enough to contribute. But he's he might not get that opportunity because Alabama has Eli Ricks, they have Kool-Aid McKinstry, and they have Kyrie Jackson. So if anything happens, you know, we saw Alabama's cornerbacks get banged up this past year, and really out of necessity, in some instances, guys try to play through injuries, and it hindered Alabama's production on defense. You know, you now have, in my opinion, three quality corners in those guys that I mentioned. Plus, I think that if you had to go to number four, I think Terry and Arnold is a pretty darn good number four, assuming that he's continued to make progress in that transition. Then you shift to the back half that, you know, at safety and at star. I, I really like where Alabama's at. Don't get me wrong. I think there's uncertainty with guys like Christian Story and Devontae Smith and Kane Williams. But when it comes to Jordan Battle or DeMarco Hellams, Right now, I think Alabama's got two starting caliber stars. I would expect a bounce-back season to some degree at least from Malachi Moore. Uh, you know, when you go with, you know, the six defensive backs and you have that money spot, I think Malachi's already going to be on the field. But you also know that that safety depth comes in. If something happens to Jordan Battle or something happens to Helms, you know that that 
you can just use instead of you know splitting time between Brian Branch and Malachi Moore at star, you now have a an experienced safety that you can move, or excuse me, an experienced defensive back in general who you can move back to safety and still get production. It's something that Alabama did in the Miami game. You know, Malachi Moore had an interception. So I like that they have that versatility. We've also talked a little bit about Earl Little Jr. I think you see him some at perimeter corner, but if for whatever reason you had to shift one of those stars to safety, I think a little long-term, I think he's a star. I think he plays his best football inside. He's not Tyron Matthew necessarily, but I just think his ability to blitz off the edge, much more physical player than you know you would think for a 165, 170-pound guy. He can back up and provide some quality backup reps there at the star position if they had to shift one of those other players to safety. So the whole versatility side of the, the back half of Alabama's defense, I'm very excited about. And when you talk about Jordan Battle, that prototypical strong safety, he's got ideal length and physicality, can be disruptive up near the line of scrimmage, but he's also shown pretty decent ball skills. I think he's much better in zone coverage than he is, you know, in man coverage, at least at this point in his career. When you ask him to just drop, read the quarterback's eyes, and break and make a play on the football, does a great job of doing that. Doesn't always bring in interceptions. When he does, he can make plays after. He's had a couple of pick sixes, so he has that ability. Got good range. I wouldn't say he has elite range, but you know, it kind of brings that you know balanced approach of being both a run defender and a coverage guy. And I love his his football IQ. The things that he's asked to do: deep safety, play up in the box, play some nickel kind of that field general of Alabama's defense, and he's a phenomenal tackler. You know, a great run defending safety, can come up and make plays. I really like the player that he's become. And I think that his balanced approach, you know, in the NFL, the fact that, and I like this about Helms too, by the way, I don't think from a, a football IQ standpoint, DeMarco Helms is a little bit of a slow processor. Uh, I don't think he's quite as fluid of an athlete necessarily as, you know, Jordan Battle but he comes downhill with authority, very great straight line speak and shed blocks, very physical. I think probably that is his best trait is working downhill as a run defender, but he can also, you know, cover tight ends a little bit, cover slot receivers. They ask him to play some split safety, some single high safety. So the versatility of Alabama's two safeties, the two starters really like it, really think that you could interchange those guys. Think battle was a much better athlete and a much better NFL prospect. And the reason that I say that is he provides a lot of the same upside as far as being a run defender, but he is not in any way a liability as a coverage guy. And, and Helms is a much better coverage guy than I think given credit for, especially he showed that once he got healthy. But I think with Jordan Battle's football IQ and the fact that he brings even better coverage ability, especially in zone, he has a much bigger upside because the NFL, they're getting away from that Landon Collins, that type of strong safety defender that you're wanting to play in the box a ton. Those guys are kind of getting kicked to linebacker if that's all you can do. Battle can be a plus run defender, but also still provides plenty enough on the coverage front to be a quality starting safety in the NFL. So I think that will be coveted come draft time 2023. So I think they got a great combination of guys on the back half of their defense. Are you concerned at all, Jimmy, though, about Malachi Moore and what he showed in 2021? Or do you think it was just a hiccup and he'll be able to get that back? I really believe it's a hiccup. Uh, I, I think it was a step back. Again, I question his health. I don't know the story there. I believe it was a back thing. And, and that can be tricky. And, and you hope that's not long term. But I, I choose, based on what little I know, I choose to believe 
that Malachi's performance dip in 2021 is, is health related. Uh, that might not be true, might not be 100% true. That's just what I believe. Because uh, and, and it, it, it explains things more logically because you know typically I don't think most kids uh, all of a sudden wake up and forget how to play. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's it. Uh, I, I think it's injury related. Uh, now his problem is, uh, and since he took a step back, it allowed Brian Branch to take a step forward and, and, and it ain't going to be easy to take snaps away from, a, from an athlete like, like Brian Branch. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think it's a hiccup. I think we'll see an improved Malachi Moore. I'm just not sure how much we'll see of Malachi Moore. Yeah, I think that having him is just super valuable depth. And, and it, it does might maybe concern you a little bit. You know, this is a guy that started as a true freshman that was an effective playmaker for Alabama as a true freshman. And if he ends up getting kind of pushed back to a rotational role, he's not getting a ton of snaps. Last year, you know, midseason, he was willing to accept that from all indications. Would he be willing to accept that role again? Or would he look to enter the transfer portal if he's not getting the kind of action that he wants? I haven't heard anything on that, not trying to speculate on it too much. Just a question that I think in today's college football, you got to ask yourself because it's so easy to transfer if you don't like your situation. What I do know is that he's going to be involved to some degree, no matter what happens. If everybody stays healthy, he'll still be involved to some degree. I believe that. I believe that he does have a bounce back season, and I believe that he will get an even bigger opportunity should anything happen to Brian Branch, DeMarco Hellams, or Jordan Battle. His role yeah. will significantly increase, and you, you're not going to bank on that, obviously, but I just think that despite the fact that he might not technically be a starter, quote-unquote, he will be viewed as a starter. I guarantee you at some point, if someone asks about Malachi Moore, Nick Saban will make some kind of comment. We, we view him as a starter. I think he might have even said that during the college football playoff. I know a lot of fans were wanting some questions answered on his, his role decreasing, and Nick Saban made a point to say, we still view Malachi as a starter. I think you'll get the same thing out of him this year, and I still think he'll be a very valuable member of Alabama secondary. Agree totally. But that's you know pr pretty much going to do it for the previews. Could talk a little bit more about the depth, and I agree with you on Christian Story. I think not necessarily that he's going to be a 2023 starter, even though I definitely think he'll be in that conversation. He'll be one of those guys, and we'll kind of just have to see Devontae Smith also have heard good things, so I like that you brought him up. They signed a trio of guys and Traquan Fagans, who a lot of people thought was going to play corner. We think he's going to start off at safety. He's an early enrollee. The two other guys that they signed, Antonio Kite and Jake Pope, neither one of those two guys are enrolling early. There'll be summer arrivals, but a lot of you know likable traits from all three of those guys. I think they really bolstered the, uh, the depth by getting those guys in, in this 2022 signing class. We're just going to have to see what happens long-term. Safety is a position to look out for beyond 2022 because it's possible that you could lose one of those two juniors and Brian Branch or Malachi Moore who maybe could have made that transition to safety in 2023. And it's also, you know, right now, both Helms and Battle are going to be seniors. And my guess is this is going to be their last season. Maybe Helms chooses to come back because of the COVID. You know, we can exploit and use that extra year of eligibility. I just would probably assume that this is going to be the final year for both those two players. So the secondary in general, whether it be at corner or safety or star, a lot of uncertainty for 2023. So you want to start looking out for who those next, that next wave of guy could be. And I think Christian's story is certainly going to be in that conversation. So glad you brought him up. And it's also worth noting with these other players that they're bringing in, you know, how they progress, you know, just watching and, and keeping your ear to the ground as far as knowing 
where they're at. But that's going to do it for the final position preview episode for the spring. We're going to be doing this again. Once we get out of the spring, we'll know a lot more with all these positions. We'll be able to talk about it. It probably won't be directly after the spring. We'll let it kind of get into the summer, into the kind of some of those lull months. And then we'll, you know, do one a week. We won't be having two per episode. We'll just do one and really break it down in depth. So certainly looking forward to that and looking forward to free agency starting today. Uh, I guess it's now just clicked over 11 o'clock. So we should start getting news very soon. But Jimmy, once again, man, appreciate you uh, hopping on here with me. and We will talk again soon. Oh, looking forward to it. And I uh, can't wait. And everybody uh, run to your TVs. Hey, this is why this is why we love sports so much. You're going to be able to see some stuff on your TVs all week or even better in person. Uh, it's, it's why we love it this week with uh, with the NCAA basketball tournament in particular, one of the great events in all of American sports. 100% agreed. You're, you're all over it, Jimmy. Um, and I love you for it. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bam on three show. We'll be back sometime later this week. There's no spring uh, updates happening this week. So won't really cover anything on that, but we will kind of have reaction to where some Alabama players are signing. We will talk a little bit maybe about, you know, once we get an idea on Thursday of who Alabama is going to be playing, or excuse me, I guess the game is happening on Wednesday uh, between Rutgers and Notre Dame. It, right. um, yeah. So we'll be able to talk a little bit then about who Alabama is going to be playing on Friday. So looking forward to talking about that. There's going to be some other stuff that we cover, but that's just kind of a, a preview for some of the action that's going to be happening but once again, we appreciate you guys. We'll talk to y'all soon. This has been the Bam on 3 show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.